Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Good morning. It's the second hour of Mornings with Carmen, and I have um, three fun, I'm going to describe them as fun, or inspirational, or just simply let's get our Monday off on the right foot headlines. I don't know, that's, that can't be a category of headline, but there you go. This is the let's get our Monday morning off on the right foot series of headlines. So um, I read over the weekend about three dots. Now, these are Three women, each of them, their given name is Dorothy, and they are a hundred years old, and they're all friends, and they all live in the same little town in New York. It's called Auburn, and um, uh, one of them still drives, much much to the chagrin of the other two, by the way. But the story, which is featured at NPR.org, is about the three dots. Uh, for these three dots, a hundred years of friendship, fellowship, and fun. What is interesting to me about the story is that obviously faith is a centerpiece issue for each of these women. It gets one line in the story, and the one line in the story is is a bit of a cast off, like you know, faith is a part of of their lives as well, or something. It's like cast off line. Talks about them um, having survived, obviously not only their parents and their siblings, but in some cases their children. They've survived husbands. They've survived friends. Um, and yet they do all express uh, a desire for a life that is to come. So um, as you're connecting the dots between the eternal and the everyday today, uh, maybe you could use these three dots, these three Dorothys, as exemplars, like uh, just just women of, of joy and endurance and laughter, and it's worth, it's worth a read. My second story um, in my list of uh, Monday motivation headlines we could read to get off on the right foot. Again, it's too long to be a category, but there it is. Um, is about a thief who was discovered in a police station. So if you're not yet familiar with this particular story, it's featured on CNN. The mystery of the missing police station donation toys has been solved. Uh, and if you were to see the pictures, you would say to yourself, oh, that's exactly the response that you would have. You would go, oh, because... It is it is the cutest thief you're ever going to see. The most beautiful, adorable, um, uh, blonde. Uh, well, it's not blonde. A golden retriever. His name is Ben, and he's the resident therapy dog at the Franklin Police Department, where this took place in Massachusetts. So the police in Franklin have been uh, collecting toys, as happens in many many uh, places around the country at this time of year, and they've been collecting them in the toy room. Well, Ben has free range of the police station. There's, there's, there has not to this point been any part of the police station that has been off limits to Ben. However, Ben no longer has access to the toy room because Ben has been going in under the cover of darkness and stealing one toy at a time and carrying it back to his, his lair um, under a desk 
and he's been collecting them. Now, they're, uh, I like the walk-off, um, which talks about them having been so uh, covered with slobber that they are not going to be redeemed, but they have been replaced. Uh, and so uh, Ben is not going to do any any hard time for um, for his theft, because after all, he does an awful lot of good as the resident therapy dog there in uh, the police station in Franklin, Massachusetts. So uh, consider today um, how you might encourage others this holiday season. Maybe it's time to jump into a toy drive. Um, maybe you don't have anybody to buy toys for this year. There's lots of people who would love to have your assistance in uh, in bringing joy to to others this holiday season. So just, you know, consider that. Um, if you've got a therapy dog, get them out there doing some therapy because this is definitely a time of year people have a lot of anxiety and need. All right, and then really quickly, my favorite maybe inspirational story of the week is a person who has used his platform not just to, uh, you know, have himself celebrated and his name made famous, but really to extend to others what at one point in his life he really needed as well. I'm talking about Joe Burrow's Heisman Trophy speech when he won the Heisman Trophy last week. Uh, the donations to the Southeast Ohio Food Pantry for for whom he made an appeal during his speech. He was appealing for hungry kids. Um, and uh, that that effort has now, let's see, I'm looking at the tally, more than $400,000 in donations to the Southeast Ohio Food Pantry that he mentioned during his his very, very passionate Heisman speech. Um, and so I just think that we, we need to be mindful um, that people are in need this time of year. And if we have extra resources to share and we could pass along those blessings to others, let's do it. Maybe it's an empty seat at our table that we could share with somebody else. Um, because maybe the saddest story that I read this week was the woman who put an ad on Craigslist that somebody would have her over for Christmas. Um, she's an, a grandma age but has no family, and she'd be willing to cook. So just think about those people you might include. All right, up next, Dr. Linda Mental. She and I are going to talk about holiday anxiety and maybe some family difficulties during the holidays. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, Dr. Linda Mental, among other things, the host of the Dr. Linda Mental Show right here on the Faith Radio Network. She's also an author and and a blogger. She's got, she's got all kinds of things going on. Um, Linda, welcome back. It's great to be here. It's always, you know, it's always tough following dog stories, Carmen. I'm not really sure we can ever <laughs> do better with that, but what a great story that was. <laughs> I know. I, I, I feel like my dog is a therapy dog. Yeah. Well, I actually have one that I take to the medical school. It is my dog. She goes in. She's one of the founding members of the medical school, and she has a white coat and everything. And oh. she goes in, and she helps the students with their anxiety. She does. She'll she'll go into post-exam review, and people will, you know, see her. And she has an amazing capacity to stand at the door when people come in in the morning, and she completely ignores the faculty and goes directly to the students. So she sniffs or I don't know how she does it I've never really looked it up but she knows who is the most anxious in that group and knows how to go right to them and calm them down so she's pretty amazing maybe she just doesn't like the smell of pride <laughs> she's selecting against maybe I don't know I don't know that's maybe a whole nother conversation let's talk about right. anxiety you have an excellent piece posted on the subject of anxiety we're going to direct people to your website Dr. Linda Mental. 
Com. Let's talk about anxiety this time of year. Yeah, it's pretty high for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of the major reasons every year I get I get on a number of radio uh, shows because people are talking about how do we deal with our families this time of year. And uh, it's not just families, but it's all the drinking, it's the food that is, um, you know, creating problems with the way people are now eating. It also has to do with the lack of sleep and getting out of your schedule and travel at one of the busiest times of the year. So there's lots of things that can really put the stress overboard and put people in kind of an anxious state. And one of those is if you are somebody who has a difficult time with your family and you have a lot of unresolved issues or things that you just haven't talked about or dealt with in your family, and now it's that time of year when you're all getting together, uh, people are thinking, oh, boy, it's going to be difficult again. And do I really want to do this? I know I need to do this. Maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe the Caribbean looks really good this time of year or whatever. But it is uh, families can be. They can be a source of great joy, um, but they can also be a source of stress for a lot of people. So, you know, when I'm thinking about preparing to host, let's say, because that's what's going on for me, right? So one of the things I'm really mindful of are what are the sort of like pre-snacks? You know, we might, the fancy word would be hors d'oeuvres. They aren't hors d'oeuvres, you know, with the clan-like tribe that's going to show up at my house on Christmas morning. Um, But, you know, the inclination might be, hey, let's start with some sweet rolls and some cocoa. Um, What I really should have out are some... Um, crunchy veggies, even if it seems like the middle of the morning's not time, not the right time to eat those. Um, but definitely maybe some fruit skewers, um, some, some things that are at least complex in their carbohydrates as as opposed to those very simple sugars. Is that one of the conversations we should have? Yeah. And so when, I mean, it's harder, like what you're talking about early morning, mid morning, because a lot of people, our tradition is always cinnamon rolls in the morning of the, of the day of, um, Christmas, you know, because we're going to have that big meal. So we we try to, but we also try to do some protein in there. So you can do something with eggs. You can do something with, you know, some types of meats that are maybe, um, you know, a little bit more protein-based. Anything that's more protein-based is going to help your blood sugar stabilize a little bit better. And the reason we're talking about food is because some foods and some eating patterns and drinking patterns that you do can really prompt anxiety in people. So if you're already stressed or overloaded or thinking, you know, of a million things you have to do that day, and then you're a little bit concerned about who's showing up and how things are going to go, one of the things you can control in that process is the type of food that's there. So maybe, you know, just ramping down a little bit the, the sweets and the candies and the cookies, although that's one of the things people look forward to this time of day, but you really have to pace yourself during this time. And so it wouldn't be so bad to have a couple of days, maybe, maybe Christmas Eve, Christmas day, um, where you're eating a little bit more of the dessert and maybe the cookies and the candies, but it's been this whole process, but leading up to this, you know, the number of, the number of chocolates that I've received this year is kind of, I think it's a record (laughs) in terms of, you know, the cookies and then cookies and those bins and there's just so much of chocolate and candy and cookies and great little tasty you know things on a plate that people bring into the office that after a while you you literally start feeling a little bit sick my my mm-hmm. daughter is here from Nashville and she said there were so many trays of things coming in and I, at work that she said one day I just woke up I felt kind of sick and I realized 
I'd eaten so many, so much sugar and so much fat and so much, you know, just foods that had empty calories. I mean, empty, you know, yeah, empty um, benefit for me, but lots and lots of calories. And she actually felt sick from it all. So mm-hmm. I think it's the pacing and making sure that you're eating some other things to balance that, like the vegetables. And that one of the great things to do is a lot of people sit around during the during the day and and um, and then you munch later. That's when you really want to bring out a vegetable tray with some low fat, maybe ranch dressing or something in it to give it a little bit different feel. Okay, I love that. <clears throat> Here's one simple idea for everybody: um, if I if I take three of the things on your list and I roll them into one, um, I I can reduce my caffeine intake. I can avoid alcohol and I can drink more water simply by choosing to drink water as a replacement when other people are drinking other things. So hydration is important in this conversation as well. Dr. Linda Mental and I are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some family difficulties during the holidays. This is a word of encouragement. You can check out what we're talking about at drlindamental.com. We'll be right back. This, this is Christ the King Returning to my conversation with Dr. Linda Mental, you can find what we're talking about today at drlindamental.com. Linda, you've got another piece posted here that um, that that caught my attention, and I'd love to just walk through it if you're willing. Handling difficult family during the holidays, um, and let's just walk through this list. Let's talk about let, okay. let's lead off with the role of loss. So this is the first year, uh, Carmen, that we will have no parents at our dinner table. Um, mm. This is the first year that all of our parents have have passed, and um, thankfully they're all believers, so we, we're, we're joyful about that. But it does feel weird and a little different not to have them there, and they're so much a part of the whole holiday experience for us. So I think there's a lot of people that are listening to us right now are saying, yes, my parent is no longer with us, or maybe sadly my child is no longer with us, or this is my first year dealing with the holidays in a divorce or a separation. Um, You know, there'll be empty chairs at the table, and it's a reminder of that loss. And you need to prepare yourself for those feelings, and you need to recognize that that might happen. And so if it does, it comes up at the table. I think it's good to acknowledge it at the table that, you know, let's let's just say a little kind thing about that person who's not here or remember them or laugh a little bit about, you know, my dad was a huge Lions fan. Poor, my dad would be very disappointed right now because they're doing so poorly this year. So, you know, we would probably laugh about something like that or talk about what he missed or, or how we miss him. And it's okay to acknowledge loss and it's okay to say something. It's okay to tear up and to have a moment. It's okay to excuse yourself from the rest of the family and go into a room and just give yourself a moment, pray, ask the Lord to help you and to um, help you get through the day and into that loss. It's part of grieving and you just can't rush it. And if it comes during that holiday period, it's going to probably happen because that is one of the places where those memories are pretty strong. The second thing that you point out is that stress is heightened. Um, Some of the words that you use here are increased irritability and loss of patience. I feel like, um, you know, I might deny that I'm under a, a greater deal of stress. And yet, if you, when you describe it this way, Carmen, are you more irritable? Um, do you lose patience more easily? Um, all the heads around me would be nodding yes. So, so yes, let's talk and- about this uh, stress being heightened this time of year. 
Yes, and you sound like you have a little bit of a cold or something going on here too. So, you know, you you you're you're when your stress is high, you're more susceptible to infection. Um, you get run down because you probably are rushing to get things done. Everybody does. I mean, I went to try to buy one gift I'd forgotten, and and the crowds and the traffic and all of those things, you know, it just heightens you, and you find yourself getting impatient, maybe yelling at drivers on the road, um, you know, getting frustrated in the stores. You you just have to be aware that the overload of stress, while it's a, it can be a good stress, and people don't realize that. You can have good stress. You can have a wedding this time of year, which is a joyous occasion, a birth this time of year, but it's it's stress because it's a change, it's a shift, different things are happening, normal patterns are interrupted. And so just be mindful of your own mood, how you're handling yourself and other people. And this is, I know people don't do it, but I say it every year, get a little bit more self-care going there. I actually used a, a coupon that I had gotten as a gift for a massage. I actually went the other day. I thought this is the best time of year for me to go and just get a, get that massage that somebody got for me as a gift. So I used it. And uh, I think just make, making sure you're getting good sleep. Sleep is such a reboot for everybody that if you can just get a good night's rest, that's going to make a huge difference. And then just be mindful of how you're snapping at people or how your mood is. And again, center yourself. Always start, I think, always starting your day with scripture, reading the word, um, some prayer time, and just getting yourself sort of set for the day would really help. So um, I have a little uh, a little saying that it's snaps or naps. Like I try, I, if I, if I get snappy, I need to just go lay down for a minute and take a little nap. So snap, I'm trading my snaps for naps. So, uh, and I find it very effective and I'm with you on the self-care. Um, I definitely, I mean, I just recently got my nails done. It took a while. It felt, it felt totally like it's so extravagant. And there was an entire list of things I wasn't doing that I felt like I should be doing, but you know what? Mm. Uh, you know, so yeah, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. A little self-care. Yep. Uh, on this list are also rethink expectations around family activities and set healthy boundaries and stick to them. Let's talk about that one. Yes. Okay. So you know what's going to happen if it's the same family members. And unless your whole family's been in therapy for a year, not a whole lot's going to change, right? So right. instead of sort of wishing that things will go better or pretending you're a Hallmark family when you're not, you know, you need to, you know what's going to happen. You know what to expect, and you know where the problem things are going to happen. So you know it's going to trigger people. You know it's going to cue people. We actually sit down as a group when we travel to the bigger part of the family, and we sit down in the. We usually do this in the car and talk about. Okay, we know Aunt So and So is going to do this. We know Uncle So and So, or this is going to tip people off, or there's going to be the the nasty political conversation, or whatever it's going to be, and we just we we rehearse how we're going to deal with it. So I think so much of this is to, first of all, have realistic expectations about what's going on and where the problems might come up and be. And then the other side is just plan for it, set boundaries. So the biggest one that I always have to talk to people about is if you have someone who is an alcoholic coming to a family celebration and they're drinking too much, there's nothing wrong with saying, if this gets out of hand, 
we're out of here. And you tell the host that ahead of time. Just say, you know, if, if nobody can take care of Uncle Joe and kind of monitor what he's doing, then when he starts getting obnoxious and out of control and ruining it for everybody else, we're going to just politely pick up, we're going to leave, and we're going to be done at that point. Or somebody needs to be in charge of monitoring him and watching what he does. So I think, you know, setting those boundaries, knowing what you will be able to tolerate, what you can't. I don't mean mm-hmm. be mean about it and expect everything to go your way, but with the really big difficulties like abuse or, um, you know, a, some kind of addiction happening or somebody really getting out of hand, those are the things where you just have a plan ahead of time and you know how to do it. With the other m- more minor things, just know how you're going to respond and practice exactly. that. With grace and forgiveness. All right. We are talking with Dr. Linda Mental. You can check it all out at drlindamental.com. Merry Christmas. We'll see you again in the new year. All right. Merry Christmas to you, too. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. All right. So up next, I'm going to be talking with Grace Anna and her mom. Grace Anna is a literally small person. But she has a big heart and a giant message. That's up next with Grace Anna Sings here on Mornings with Carmen. Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. I am talking today with um, some just a beautiful mom and her daughter. We're talking with Angela Ray Rogers and we're talking with her daughter, Uh, Grace Anna. You may know Grace Anna from her viral uh, videos where she sings. And we're going to talk today about Grace Anna Sings, which is Angela's book. And then we're also going to talk about um, Grace Anna's book, Who Do You See When You Look at Me? So Angela, let's uh, let's start with you. Why don't you um, why don't you tell us about your, why don't you just tell us about your life? Because it is different than the lives of maybe some of your neighbors, and it's different than uh, the lives of people who whose children have special needs, but not the same kind of special needs that Grace Anna has. So just talk with us a little bit about your life. Thank you guys for having us this morning. We really appreciate it. Um, we, we do have a different life than a lot of people. Grace Anna has a rare form of dwarfism called Kinrati Hunterman syndrome. And uh, she's had 11, I think it's 11 surgeries on her back and her legs. And we do a lot of physical therapy and occupational therapy. Um, and she is homeschooled also. So we spend a lot of times focused on her health and her activities. And, you know, she does have a big social media presence also. So we d- have a very different life than the life I shared with my son when he was growing up. But I have found there's, there's some people out there that, that share the same journey I do. It's just you don't hear about it much because we just don't realize it, I think, in our society that there's a lot of people that have children that deal with a lot and have very different lives. We just we just don't realize it sometimes. So like you, uh, I have uh, a child in my life who spends a lot of time in and out of uh, the pediatric hospital. And mm-hmm. so um, uh, unlike you, uh, Matthew actually goes to public school, and um, uh, and that has its own set and range of challenges as well. But I am very sensitive to um, to the differences. To the it almost becomes our normal, and it's so abnormal to everyone else. And I think Angela, that's a little bit of what I want to talk with you about today. How can we help other 
other people in our communities, in our churches, in the culture writ large, understand that for us, our kids are normal. The, uh, and that it is, I'm so glad you said that because then you do have a new normal. And I think a lot of times if you're on the outside looking in, you see just a couple of things going on in those people's lives. And I know with Grace Anna, when they put on the Spica cast, a lot of people say, well, you know, she's uncomfortable. She's, you know, she's not happy, which is very true, but it affects more than just how she feels. It affects how she sleeps, how she eats. And I think a lot of times people don't realize it's not just a couple of differences in your life after you have a child with a disability or a major medical issue. It's a completely different lifestyle. Um, and like you said, you just have to learn to adapt and change. But I think a lot of times our churches don't really understand fully what people go through that have a child with a disability, because I didn't. You know, I had a very healthy child the first time around with my son, Isaiah. And I taught middle school and I was around kids with disabilities and I just really didn't understand how different their lives are from everybody else. But that doesn't make them people that don't matter and that cannot contribute. Kids like our Grace Anna have a lot to offer to society, to churches, to schools, if we just give them the opportunity and try to understand what they go through and find ways to include them every day. I think that's super important for not just the children, but for also our communities to build stronger communities and character in other children and adults. I'm talking with Angela Ray Rogers about her book, Grace Anna Sings, A Story of Hope Through a Little Girl with a Big Voice. We're also going to talk about Grace Anna's book, Who Do You See When You Look at Me? Um, and Angela, um, during this Christmas season, one of the songs that uh, every church loves to sing is Mary, Did You Know? And there's this conversation going on in the culture about knowing in advance what the challenges our children are going to have are, because there's all kinds of opportunity to know in advance um, that they are going to have these kinds of diagnoses. So I'm going to ask you, did you know in advance and speak to people um, today who are finding out um, that their child is going to live with challenges, but that they are still, a, you know, a precious God-given gift. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you asked that question. And I don't know if you know, but Grace Anna sang that song a couple of weeks mm. ago, and it's, it's on her page, and it's one of her favorite Christmas songs. And I never really connected it until you said that. That uh, she finds that song very important. And it's a very important part of her story. We, we did know from about three months into the pregnancy that doctors thought something was wrong. Um, they did not give us a lot of hope. But we felt a love for her from the moment we knew. Um, you know, we've lost. I've had four miscarriages. Mm. And she was a miracle. It was a miracle to us that she was still there, you know, at three months. And so when they told us, you know, this is wrong. She's not going to have a happy life. She's going to be in a lot of pain. Doctors do not know everything. And we knew something was going to be wrong, but we just held on to 
the the fact that God has a purpose for each of us and we don't all have to be the same. That's what, you know, he uses our uniqueness to make this world a better place. And he's definitely done that with Grace Anna. Yes, she has had some things she's had to overcome, but she has such a joy for life and she has touched the lives of many other people. And when my best advice to someone who has been given the statement from doctors that your child is not going to have a happy life, is not going to make a difference, or is, is going to be miserable. I would, I would suggest that you look at my daughter's page, pray about it. God has a purpose for that little soul, and He can guide you and He can direct you on things to do. And he gives you a piece about it. He gave us a piece about it and a joy. I mean, she has been such a precious addition to our lives. It just never was a, a thought in our mind when they told us something was wrong to terminate the pregnancy. She's always been wanted, and she's made our lives so much better. Just please, you know, somebody in, in the same position, take the time to pray about it. And seek his guidance in your decision. Hmm. So while we are taking a very brief break, why don't you guys check out graceannasings.org. You can also follow her on Facebook and Instagram, Grace Anna Sings. We'll be right back. So I'm continuing my conversation today with Angela Ray Rogers, and we also have Grace Anna. Um, available as well. I'm wondering if Grace Anna, I know it's really early in the morning, but she might she be available for one question? Hello. Grace Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'm going to ask you a question about your book. Is that okay? Yes. So your, your book really um, is a great window into your life. You talk about being you know, uh, a part of a family and a pet owner and a gardener and a student and a patient and a friend and a dancer and a swimmer and all of these wonderful things. Um, what are you hoping that other kids might learn from from reading this book? I think they would learn from having a disability um, is not just don't look at the people from the outside look at the people from the inside instead of that and when we think about looking at people um on the inside we have to really talk with each other in order to know what's going on on the inside so maybe um could you just share with us maybe one thing that makes you feel happy i like i like to dance i like to dance because i feel it i feel like i'm getting ready to dance (laughs) i love that i um there's a song by um skillet that anytime my producer plays it um i dance in my studio (laughs) so there you go i It makes me happy. Grace Anna, thank you so much. I'm going to continue my conversation with your mom. Is that okay? Okay, that's fine. Thank you, dear. 
So, um, Angela, um, I'm wondering what being the mama of this very uh, special young woman, um, what being her mama has taught you? The number one thing, well, there's two things. I wouldn't say just the, the most important, but one of the most important things is to not spend a lot of time on the things in life that are insignificant. Before Gray Santa came along, I would get upset about stuff that, you know, in life is just trivial. And I've truly learned to quit sweating the small stuff, as they say. And the other thing is that everybody can make a difference and everybody is important. I think so many times in life we limit people by what we think they can and cannot do. And I think when we start looking at people and trying to find the positive things about them, and I think that comes, you know, that's what God does. He loves each of us, and he sees a purpose in us. And if we could just get to the point as human beings that we can see with a godly heart when we look at other people instead of judging them on their mistakes, or what they look like on the outside, I think the world will be a much better place. And my daughter has, she has this big heart for other people and she loves to bring joy to people. And I think that is a, an awesome characteristic that she has that she wants to make other people happy. And I think that's very, sometimes very hard to find in our society now. We don't want to bring joy to other people, it seems like, anymore. There's so much fighting and conflict. And if we just all stood back and thought, quit worrying about self and try to help people have joy and happiness in their lives, it would make a huge difference in our world. So, Angela, I feel like there's um, another really significant testimony that um, that you have, and that is in relationship to the fact that, you know, Grace Ann is not an only child. She has an older brother. Um, I remember when my nephew um, went through the experience of, of having cancer as a child and his his older sibling, like, right, there is this, there you do go through this strange experience of jealousy of the notoriety of the other person. So I'm just wondering if you can talk with parents a little bit about when when they are facing, um, it could be a a crisis situation, um, it could be a chronic situation, but how how you're dealing with this with your son? It has been from the beginning a little bit of a learning experience because you get so caught up in the moment when you have a child that is going through a lot of surgeries and a lot of difficulties with their health that sometimes you can overlook the children that don't, that don't have these issues. And early on when Grace Anna was going through a lot of stuff, I did overlook my son and, and, you know, God had to show me he's just as important and he deserves your time just as much as she does. And we had to make arrangements with his dad, which unfortunately has passed on um, four years ago to start making him a priority as well. And whether that means you go, you have to go to their sporting events, you have to set aside time where you're doing stuff with them and they're getting attention in the family, just as the child that's going through a lot of stuff like Grace Anna. 
And you want to foster a relationship between them that is a loving relationship. You don't want your kids growing up thinking one's more important than the other. But I have to say with my son, and my son, um, he got saved when he was 11 years old. He has a huge heart. And that's one issue. He has never uh, been jealous of his sister. Hmm. You know, he prayed for her when I was pregnant with her. He wanted her probably more than Jeff and I did. We wanted, you know, a child desperately. But he wanted a brother and sister for a long time and had been praying for God to send him a brother or sister for a long time. And uh, most of our followers know about the letter to Santa story where he asked Santa to bring me a man. <laughs> so uh, I, I could have him a brother or sister. I was a single mom at the time. But and it's one of Grace Anna's favorite stories. But, you know, we do have to set aside that time to make all of our children feel important in our family. And it's very easy, easy sometimes to get caught up in the daily struggles that we have, even if you don't have a child with disabilities. Maybe you have one that's struggling, you know, at school or having uh, self-esteem issues and we get so focused on one child that we forget about the rest. Mm-hmm. And we just can't do that. We have to set aside that time to make all of us, each person in our family feel like they are important and they're needed. And we also want to address things going on in their lives. Communication. We have to have that communication between each other that if something's going on, we need to know about it also. What a great gift and joy um, to talk with both of you, Angela and Grace Anna. Um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the books you've written. Thank you for the songs you sing. Um, one of my, my favorite stories in all of this is, um, is Angela, the way in which you sang to Grace Anna, um, even when there were times you couldn't physically touch her, and um, how song has been such an important part uh, of of, the, of your story um, all along. So let's encourage people to get the book, Grace Anna Sings, A Story of Hope Through a Little Girl with a Big Voice. That's by Angela. And then also get a copy of Who Do You See When You Look at Me, a book that Angela wrote with Grace Anna. Also check out uh, all of their social media, graceannasings.org and also Grace Anna Sings on Facebook and Instagram. Grace Anna and Angela, thank you so much for being with us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you guys so much for having us. Now, Paul, let's listen to her sing. Baby, did you know that you baby boy one day walk on water? Baby, did you Okay, so my my encouragement today on this Christmas Eve Eve is actually a brief conversation that I had um, last night with Evelyn, who will be six the day after Christmas. Evelyn asked in anticipation of today, what Christmas Eve Eve, what were we doing on Christmas Eve Eve? Like Grandma Carmen, what are we doing? It's Christmas Eve Eve. Surely there's something that we do. And I was, of course, stymied to come up with an answer to the question. But while I was... Um, while I was thinking, she said, well, is it the day that we remember Eve and the snake in the garden, which is why we need Jesus in the first place? And I said, yes, yes. In fact, that's absolutely what we're going to think about on Christmas Eve Eve. So um, on this Christmas Eve Eve, think about 
the reason Jesus came, uh, why we need a Savior, and who he is. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.